Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today we are in a wonderful study on the power, the truth, and the grace of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today I want to ask, as well as answer, some questions about the resurrection. I want to ask the question, what if there were no resurrection? Where does that leave Christianity? Some people think just by following Christ, it makes them a better person. But you know what Paul said in the Bible? Paul said, if there were no resurrection, we of all people should be most pitied. But then Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, but the fact is, Christ did raise from the dead. I want to ask the question, what are the evidences for the resurrection? And then I want to see how there is, as Acts 4.33 tells us, there was great power and great grace on the early church as they preached and proclaimed the resurrection. Well, the same is true in our day. I hope you enjoy this episode of Awaken to Grace. I hope, like all of our other sermons, I hope it speaks right into your life. I hope it strengthens your faith. I hope it encourages you in your walk with the Lord. Connect with us, download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, or email me personally, Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. Now, let's get to God's Word, and let's go to Acts chapter 4, verse 33. Acts chapter 4, verse 33 today. We're going to be primarily in this one verse, and I love this verse. I think it's very... Uh, fitting for the season of life that our church is in right now. I'm so thankful for what God's doing here. You know, God is working many places. We are only one. We're just one of the places where God is moving. God's moving so many places. Praise God. But I'm thankful for what God's doing here in our midst. Uh, A family that I love so much joined us this morning. And uh, come said hi to me before the service began. Drove from Kingston down below Knoxville to be here today. I said, are you guys here to see family? They said, no, we came for church. Amen. Praise God. And uh, went to lunch last Sunday with a family that's coming now from Bristol. And just, uh, you know, we got families from Morristown and just everywhere. You got, why? Why? The scripture answers the question, why? Verse 33. And great power was on the apostles while they gave testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. I love this scripture and I want to dig into it today. I want to... Ask the question today, what would it be if there were no resurrection? What was it that gave the early church such power? Today, we are in a very dangerous situation where we are building churches based on pastors and their personalities. We're building churches based on programs and how slick our marketing is, and, and, and we adopt all of these things out of the world that we think is going to help us. But no, my friends, 
I want to ask the question today, what is it that brings the power of God and what is it that brings the grace of God to a church as well as to a family, to a marriage, to parents, to children, to students? I want to explore today, what would it be if there were no resurrection? I want to explore, what are the evidences of the resurrection? And then I want to ask this great question, what is it at the end of the day that brings the power of God? What would your life look like if there were greater power in your prayers? What would your Christian walk look like if there was such a power of God in you and over you that when you went to work, you felt the power of God? See, we gather in here, and I love our gatherings. I mean, let me tell you, it feels like heaven on earth when we gather, right? And you can feel the power of God here, but what if you had that every day? What if you had that in your quiet time? What if you had that in your marriage relationship? What if you had that when you went to work? What if you had that on your commute? What if you had that with your children? What if what was in here was in your home? What is it that brings the power and the grace of God? That's what I want to explore today in this short verse. Notice that... Luke, the author of Acts, tells us great power and great grace was upon the early church. Why? I'm convinced, and I'm going to try to convince you today, the reason why is because they got the message right. Their message was not themselves. Their message was not uh, just simply uh, what their churches were doing. No, their message was the resurrection of Jesus. And I'm going to show you today why when you get that right in your own heart, in your own life, in your own family... The results, what it's going to produce is the power of God and the grace of God in your home. So, are we all on the same page? All right, let's explore this out. First, I want to ask this question. What would it be if there were no resurrection? What would Christianity be without the truth of the resurrection? You know, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you want to turn there, I'll just show you a few things out of this chapter. There's 58 verses to the chapter, and you would do well just to spend some time and read the whole chapter so slowly because Paul writes in such a beautiful way by the Holy Spirit. There's so much teaching in this chapter. I once heard an archbishop of, I forget who he was or what church he's with, But he was some big wig, I don't know. And I once saw an archbishop be interviewed by the press. And the reporter asked the archbishop, said, What what do you think if you die and there is no truth to anything that you believe? There's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no Jesus, there's no resurrection. What do you think? And this archbishop said something very interesting. He said, well... If there's nothing to it, after I die, he said, I still believe that I would have been a far better person and a far, um, my life would have been better and I would have been better for following Jesus. Now that's interesting. But let me tell you, it's unbiblical. 
Listen to what Paul said if there were no resurrection. First of all, in verses 3 and 4, Paul tells us what the heart of the gospel is. What is the heart of the message of the gospel? It is the death, it is the burial, and it is the resurrection of Jesus. That's the heart of the message. Now, why does that matter? Because Paul is going to go on to argue in chapter 15, if there were no resurrection, then that means our preaching is in vain. Paul literally says that means that your faith is futile. It is in vain. Paul goes on to say, if there is no resurrection... Verses 13, 14, verses 17, verse 20. Paul goes on to say if there is no resurrection, then what the result is, is that means you and I are still dead in our trespasses. We are still dead in our sins if there is no resurrection. And Paul doesn't say, well, if there is no truth to it, then I'm still a better person. No. As a matter of fact, he says the exact opposite. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, if there is no resurrection, then we of all people of the earth should be most pitied. Do you know why? Because that means there is no hope of salvation. Chad, what's your point? My point is that the resurrection is the key fact of Christianity. My point is that the resurrection is everything in Christianity. And if there is no truth of that, then that means there is no true salvation. But if you read 1 Corinthians 15, I can't remember if it's verse 17 or verse 20. Read the whole thing. It's just good for you. Just read the whole thing. It'd be a nice little scavenger hunt. Find it for yourself. But Paul says, I think it's verse 20. Paul says, but the fact is Christ has raised from the dead. Amen? So if, if there is no resurrection, okay, the, here's what I want you to see. The stakes are as high as they possibly can be. Why? Because if there is no resurrection, there is no hope. Why? Because we are dead in our sins. Remember what we've said through the Grace and Truth series. Sin is far worse than just being bad. Sin is not badness. Sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. What brought such eternal life? The fact that Christ raised from the dead. That's the gospel, my friends. And without the resurrection, there is no gospel. There is no life. There is no forgiveness. There is no hope. Okay, then Chad, then what are the evidences of the resurrection? Well, let's explore this for a moment. You know, in any court of law, you have to have what? Evidence. Evidence is very important, is it not? And what is often one of the strongest evidence that a court can have? Witnesses. You have an eyewitness, which would disqualify me now that I think about it, but you have an eyewitness. <laughs> you get into trouble. You don't want me as an eyewitness. I'm blind as a bat. Chad, did you see it? Nope. <laughs> You'd be in trouble with me. 
a witness. How important are witnesses? They're everything, aren't they? Now notice what our text says. Great power was upon the apostles. Why? Because they gave testimony. They gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is the greatest evidence of the resurrection? I'm going to give you two things. What's the greatest evidence? Well, number one, all of the witnesses that saw Christ rise from the dead. I want you to think about this. When Jesus died on the cross, how heartbroken were his followers? They were not only heartbroken, they were in despair. They were already going back to their old lives. They thought everything was over. You know what I find most fascinating in the Gospels? Is while the followers of Jesus forgot his words, the enemies of Jesus remembered his promise. Do you remember why his enemies sealed the tomb? They sealed it because they remembered, read the Gospels, they remembered that he said he would rise again. But who forgot that? His disciples. Isn't that interesting? But when Jesus raised from the dead, I find this fascinating. I find it beautiful. I find it incredible. Who did Jesus first reveal himself to? To women. Now you're talking about a day and age. You're talking about a culture, a society that gave no regard to women whatsoever. Women had zero rights. As a matter of fact, a woman in that day would not have been allowed legally to be a witness. And who was it that the Lord Jesus Christ first made a witness? Women. See, foolish people today think that the Bible tears women down. No, my friend, when you study the Bible and you understand history, you see the Bible elevates women like nothing else. Amen? And Jesus revealed himself to women first. But think of all the evidence. Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Cephas. Peter. John, the beloved. James, the brother of Jesus. Anybody remember doubting Thomas? <laughs> As history has dubbed him. All of his disciples. The 500 who were gathered on the day of his ascension. And then last but not least, as you read 1 Corinthians 15, trust me, just read the whole chapter. Last but not least, who did Jesus reveal himself to? The Apostle Paul. All of these gave testimony. They gave witness that Christ had truly risen from the dead. But some skeptics may say, Chad, that was then, but what about now? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Because let me tell you the good gospel news, my friend. God loves witnesses. And let me tell you, there is a room full of people today who we are witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Because he absolutely changed my life. And what did he say? What did Jesus say in Acts 1-8? 
Jesus said to his witnesses, he said, I'm going to give you power to become my witnesses. And let me tell you, friends, when you share, when you're at work, when you're in the neighborhood, when you're around your sphere of friends, when you're hanging out with people, and when you share what Jesus has done in your life, let me tell you, God gives you power to become his witnesses. What is the greatest evidence of the resurrection of Jesus today? This changed life. Your changed life. We are witnesses to the power of God. Amen. And let me tell you, if you're someone that God transformed your life, if you're someone that you have passed from death unto life, if you're someone that you become a new creation, the old has passed away and everything has become new according to scripture. If you're someone that God has brought you out of the deadness of sin into the life of God, into the joy of God, I'm telling you, you are a witness of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I love being a witness to the Lord, for the Lord. I love it. I meet people all the time who say, Chad, I'm... I'm just so surprised at how you live with what you've been through going blind. No. You see, you don't understand. God transformed me. I'm most shocked when people ask, Chad, are you still preaching? I find it a little offensive. (laughs) Well, of course. When I had my last eye surgery, Sadie asked the doctor and said, what about an eye transplant? Would that even be possible? And the doctor explained an eye transplant for me would be like putting a new car windshield on a car that has a dead battery. It wouldn't make any difference. That's how he described it. Friends, my retina... My eyesight may be medically dead, but let me tell you, my spirit, my heart, my mind is fully alive unto Jesus Christ. And it is in Christ that I live move and have my being. It is in Christ that I function. I'm telling you right now, I am more productive today than I ever was with eyesight. Why? Because it is the resurrection power of God in my life. That and nothing else. It's not determination. It's not motivation. It's not inspiration. It is the power of God. Amen? And you can walk in the power of God. When you get the resurrection right, when you understand how it transforms, when you understand how it sets free, when you understand that you go from death unto life, you'll live in a different way. You'll have a different perspective in life. The power of the resurrection, the power of God is in the resurrection. That's why it has to be our core message That's why nothing else will do. So what are the evidences of the resurrection? The evidence that God loves to use are witnesses. He used them in the Bible days, and he uses them today. Are you a great witness 
of the power of God, of the transformation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If God has not transformed you from the old to the new, if you have not left your sin, if you have not had a changed heart, then friends, all you have is religion. You need the power of the resurrection in your life today. It will transform you. Now, what does he mean by power and grace? Now that we understand the stakes are high, you take away the resurrection, you don't have Christianity. It's what differentiates us. It's what sets us apart from other religions. People will say, oh, well, what religion are you? I don't claim any religion. I simply follow Jesus. Yeah. It's what differentiates us. So the stakes are high. You take away the resurrection, you don't have Christianity. You don't have forgiveness. You don't have hope. You don't have transformation. What are the evidences? Well, it's witnesses. We are the witnesses of Jesus. Well, let's talk for a moment. And uh, Why does it bring power? What is the power of God? What is that? Well, let me just share a couple of things with you. Scripture says that he has not given us a spirit of fear. Today, if there's something that you worry about, if, there's, if there are things that you just constantly have anxiety toward, uh, let me tell you the good gospel news. God doesn't want you to live a fearful life. If, if there are future things that you just constantly worry about, I meet people who tell me things like, oh, cancer's ran all in my family. You know, I'm, I'm so afraid one day I'll get cancer or... You know, we, just, we dread things. We dread things that are way out in the future. And the Bible says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us power, love, and sound mind, self-control. Self-control. What, what does that mean? That means I can take all my anxieties, I can take all of my fears, and I can say, no, 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 I'm not going to allow fear in my life. I'm going to live in the power of God. What's that mean? Let's define that. What's that mean? Well, I think when we walk in the power of God, I think it means that we're walking in faith. I think it means that we're not walking in circumstances. You know, there are days, I'm as human as anybody is. There are days that I'll get very discouraged over blindness. There are much more far and few between today than they were, you know, a year and a half, two years ago when it first happened. But there were days that I battled fiercely, you know. There are days that, uh, I, I, I'll tell you this, uh, you know, as many of you know, we've been going to Hunger First and feeding the homeless every Saturday now. We've done it for eight weeks in a row now. And I was telling Pastor Bill the other day how Saturdays were always my hardest day. It just seemed like depression would just, oh, it just hit me on Saturdays, right? I'm preparing for Sunday and I'm trying to focus in and, and depression and discouragement. Those things would just try to get on me and like hitting a brick wall. It would just smack me. Uh, it seemed to be on Saturdays. Let me tell you, since we have been going to feed the homeless and I've had the opportunity to go pray with them and minister to them, not one Saturday has been hard since we started doing that. 
You know why? Because when you pour yourself out, God pours back into you. Amen? Well, to me, walking in the power of God is when I'm walking above circumstances. I'm walking above problems. I'm walking above doubt. I'm walking above confusion. I don't have all the answers. I can't, I mean, you know, I sat down with my doctors and they, and I mean, they're, they're, they're scratching their heads saying, this should not be. You should not be going through this. My doctor told me uh, the last time I went and saw him, he said, you, 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 either, you either have, you know, some really, really bad DNA here or you got really bad luck. No, 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 my friend. No, 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 no. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to live above all that. I'm going to fulfill God's purpose with eyes or without them. Amen? That's what I mean by walking in the power of God. Nothing's going to sway you. Nothing's going to stand in your way. No, you're going to fulfill what God has for your life no matter what. I think that's walking in the power of God. And God promises great power upon His people. When you pray, let me ask you a question. When you pray, is it like throwing up a, a wish? <laughs> does it cross your fingers? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Or do you pray with power and authority as God promises that we can? No. What makes the difference? Walking in the truth of the resurrection. See, now I'm, I'm learning more and more. My life is not consisting of my own strength. My life is not consisting of my own knowledge or my own grit or my own determination. No, 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 no. My life consists of the resurrection power of Jesus. Amen. That days, that days, I don't feel like putting one foot in front of the other. The empty tomb helps me to do so. Days that I don't feel like ministering to others, the empty tomb helps me to do so. Days that I don't feel like praying, the empty tomb helps me do so. It's the power of the resurrection. And I'm telling you right now, hear me, hear me, please hear my heart. If, if, the, if the strength of your spiritual walk is in music, if the strength of your spiritual walk is in some personality of some preacher, if the strength is in books or the strength is, God forbid, within you or your own self, you're gonna be mightily disappointed. But if the strength of your spiritual walk is in the resurrection of Jesus. Then you'll have it right. And then. And then great power. And great grace. Shall be upon you. Amen. The power of God. Do you live in it? Do you walk in it? Because let me tell you. It matters. It matters in this day. The power of God matters. And let me tell you. If Satan knows he can just smack you down at will. If he knows that he can stir and frustrate and hinder you and bring uh, things into your life that's just going to make you give up and make you quit and make you stop praying, he'll do it every single time. No, my friend, you need the power of God that nothing is going to sway you. Nothing's going to cause you to take not one step backward, but to keep taking steps forward. 
I look at the life of our church right now and I look at where we are. And let me assure you, even though I'm blind, God's given us great vision. Great vision. A wonderful vision. And I look over the landscape of what we're doing and where we're headed. And let me tell you, we can't do this stuff without the power of God. Uh, we, we, we can't do this without God's power over us. Uh, last night, we went to Hunger First and met with our friends there. And we're getting to know names. Praise God, they're getting to know our names. And God's doing a very special work there on Saturday nights. And we went there and... <clears throat> There was a young lady who was actually here about three weeks ago. Maybe two, I think it was two weeks ago. We'd went up there and ministered and preached and prayed and, and loved on them as we love to do. I don't preach, but we share the gospel and, and pray with them. And, um, but they give me an opportunity. They all know I'm blind and they give me a lot of space to share with them and to speak and to share my heart. And she came to church that next Sunday. She came. Meant the world to me. And she hung out a few minutes after the service and came in my office. And she said, I just wanted you to know that I was here today. Oh, it made my day. She said, I wanted to tell you how comfortable I felt and how special it was to me. Praise God. I think that was two weeks ago. We go up last night, <clears throat> we're there to minister and to feed, and she's in a corner and she's not moving, and she's not responsive. Our guys go and try to pray with her and try to minister to her, but she's not responding to anything. We find out that she had been talking suicide, and she'd even left a note, and there she was in the process of overdosing. We called the ambulance and all the first responders came. But let me tell you, my friends, in those moments before they got there, let me tell you what mattered more than anything. The square footage of our building didn't matter an inch. The money, the offering that we take up today didn't matter one inch. It can't buy the power of God. It doesn't matter how comfortable our seats are. It doesn't matter what slick programs or slick marketing that we produce. Doesn't matter how good the music is. Doesn't matter how polished the preaching is on Sunday morning. The thing that mattered in that moment was the power of God. To say, Satan, you're not going to snuff her life out. And we spoke life into her. Satan, you're not going to have her in Jesus' name. And we're not going to let go in Jesus' name. Amen? You know where you find pearls? You find it in the mud. You find it in the muck. You find it in the mire. And I'm telling you, she is a pearl of great price. And God is going to rescue her in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? And let me tell you, if we don't have the power of God on us as a church, we're wasting our time. We can hit every note. We can preach a thousand sermons. We can have great programs. Our revenue can increase. 
the percentages can increase. Listen, we can cook all day long. We can take mountains of food there. But let me tell you, if the power of God is not upon us, we're wasting our time. We cannot do without it. Have you been living without it? Have you been living life in your own strength? Have you been doing things your own way? Have you been trying to figure out your marriage on your own? Let me tell you, what we need more than anything is we need the resurrection, transformation of Jesus to make a difference in our lives. That's what we need. I'll I'll close with this. I I say so emphatically, I say it with great urgency that it's what we need. Let me tell you what I learned in this big renovation project. Uh, Kevin, our project manager, Mark, our general contractor, and then uh, the city inspector has really taught me something. I didn't understand why we needed blueprints. It just didn't make sense to me. I thought, well, if you hire an expert, they know what they're doing, let them go do it, right? If an expert can build walls, let them build it. If expert can run electricity, let them run. I mean, why do you need a blueprint to tell you what to do? If they're an expert. But eh, they, they know what they're doing. Let me tell you what the city inspector told me that really helped me. He said, Chad, you, you, you don't understand how this works. He said, even if you bring in the best, even if you bring in experts... He said, when they walk into your space and you say, I want a wall here and I want a wall here and I want doors here and I want plug outlets here and we need can lights here, all that stuff. He said, even though they're hearing what you're saying, they're thinking in their own head what to do. He said, when you have a blueprint, there's no room for thinking up what you want to think up. There's a definitive set of plans. Everyone is on the exact same page. Isn't that great? And then the light bulb came on and I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, we do need blueprints. (laughs) And hear me, my friends. Some of you are great people. Some of you are highly intelligent. You lead in your field. Some of you are very, very, very gifted. You're very smart. But why is your life not working out? It's because you're doing what you think in your own head you ought to be doing. Friend, can I propose to you what the city inspector proposed to me? You need the blueprint of God's word. Some of you are incredibly smart, but your marriage is falling apart. Some of you are making a great living, but your children have no relationship with you. Some of you are exactly where you want to be in life, but yet you feel empty inside. What's wrong? As smart as you are. No, you need the blueprint of God's word. And let me tell you, your greatest need today, it's my greatest need today. We need the resurrection of God in our life. Why? Because we're dead in our sins. And just as Jesus, think about this, the power 
of the resurrection of Jesus over 2,000 years ago. Listen, God still specializes in resurrections today. Why? Because we're dead in sin. And God comes to bring life to us. Salvation is life. And some of you right now, you're watching online. You're in the building today, but listen. You're living life, but you're dead in sins. You need the life of God today. When we started this church and we moved into this building, I so enjoyed hearing you sing this morning. I was singing, but then I would stop and I would just listen to you sing. And I remember many Easter's that this place was empty because we were just building. I remember many Easter's that I would preach my heart out, but there was just a handful of us here. But let me tell you, let me tell you, we came through that door right over here. Not the new one, not the plywood. That just happened Friday. We came through that door and we walked into this big room and you know what the Holy Spirit said (laughs) he said multitudes are going to pass from death unto life in this room you know what my friend Jesus knew you'd be here today he knows your life he knows all about you And he knows your doubts, and he knows your fears, and he knows your sins. He knows your questions. He knows your concerns. He knows your joys, and he knows your sorrows. He knows it all. And that day that we walked in that door, and nothing existed here, Jesus had you in his heart. And that day that the body of the Lamb of God was nailed to a cross you were in his heart and that day that the stone rolled away and let me listen make no mistake the angels did not roll away a sealed tomb a sealed stone he didn't roll it away to let Jesus out he rolled it away to let a lost and dying world in. And I'm telling you, you're in the heart of Jesus. You're in the heart of Jesus. And today, you can receive resurrection life. And just as Jesus raised from the dead, he'll raise your heart from the dead. And he'll give you new life today. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. Those of you watching online, you do the same. Some are watching in their bedrooms. Some in their living rooms. Wherever you are. You that's here with us in the building. Today, Jesus wants to transform you. I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. And let me tell you, a prayer never saved anybody. Jesus never one time asked people to pray. But this is why I do it right now. 
It's because I want to help get you started in walking with the Lord. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me. I'm going to, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to pray after me. But listen, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's repentance that saves you. When you genuinely say, Lord Jesus, I'm, I, I don't want to be who I've been. Change me today. Forgive me today. Save me. That's what saves you. So right now, everyone that God is knocking on your heart, everyone that God is dealing with you, wooing you, pray with me right now. Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and pray that. Lord Jesus Christ, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Will you rescue me? I repent of my sins and I ask for your forgiveness. Save me this Easter day. Save me in Jesus' name. Make me new in Jesus' name. It's all right. No distractions. You, you just pray. Lord Jesus, I make you my Savior. I make you my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.